Well, hey there. Welcome to the in-between. We were uh, actually, it fits in really well with what we're going to talk about today. Was we were just that. having a conversation about how age is uh, taking away some things from us. How like <laughs> all of a sudden eyesight is not exactly what it used to be. Some of our uh, hearing is going and stuff like that. And I mean, having talked about pride last week, yep. about to talk some more about pride this next week, um, there's nothing that will... <laughs> humble us quite as much as our faculty starting to fail. Um, That seems to be the case for sure for me. I know that uh, everybody that knows that my voice has been having a hard time, like that has been so humbling um, Mm. to just something that used to be so easy for it to not be easy anymore is just a great reminder that we are not like, this is not this, like I'm motioning to myself. Mm Mm-hmm. Is not is <laughs> you, you literally just motioned to all of me. All of me, all of yeah. <laughs> That's such a good movie. For those of you that haven't seen um, Paul, yeah, I didn't get um, it. For those of you that haven't seen uh, How to Own a Dragon, how to train not, a dragon, how to train a dragon, not yeah. how to own a dragon. That's a Donald Miller book. To book. to own a dragon. To, to own, own a, dragon. a dragon. Sorry, yep. but How to Train Your Dragon or something like that um, is a DreamWorks movie, and mm-hmm. it's it's pretty good. I would. I would recommend it. Um, as a side note, I listened to To Own a Dragon. as That was one of the first books I listened to as an uh, audio book. Yeah. Mm. And I borrowed my wife's oh, iPod. Oh, I know this one. And <laughs> on a long on drive. There, on a long drive, yeah. I was helping move <laughs> some people. I this. And I listened to the whole thing, and I was like, wow, this is a total Donald Miller style of like one chapter would be like telling a story that was drawing upon something that I had no idea. And then it would be like three chapters later, it would kind of come. come with whatever yeah. that was. And it was like the super fluid in and out, but then it all kind of worked and eventually kind of made sense. And I really think I got the gist of the book. And then I listened, <laughs> the very next book was a, some book on leadership uh, where at least the chapters started with the, what the chapter number was saying yeah. the chapter number. And it was like chapter one. I listened to it. And the very next thing was like chapter nine. And I was like, Oh, what's wrong? And I skipped back to two and then finished two. And it was like chapter seven. And I was like, what is going on? And I realized I had the iPod on shuffle. <laughs> so I listened to all of Donald Miller's book on shuffle. And still I the, still think I kind of got I it. still figured it out. I would love to know if Donald Miller yeah. Would be horrified by that. I think or he'd like, be proud. Totally proud yeah. of that. Like, I think he'd like, like that. I mean, that's I th- exactly how I write. Yeah, <laughs> read it in any order you want. Uh, anyway, that's <laughs> fantastic. Um, Love but it. I, yeah, that, man, um, How to Train a Dragon was uh, one of those movies to me that I was like surprised. Oh yeah, by because I'm used to going into uh, movies now expecting some sort of like uh, sucker punch for you know, save the planet or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and I was really surprised by how I resonated with the message as opposed to mm-hmm. being like, Oh, what just happened? Um, happy feet did that to me. I was like, what? I was, there was a cute that. penguin. Now it's a conservation message. Oh, okay. What just happened? Mm. Um, but it was it's still a great movie anyway. Um, pride though. Yeah. Back to back, back to, to the that. topic. And it is interesting. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, we ought to start recording now as we're talking about, you know, when not. And again, I'm now closing in on 50, but around 40 having a eye doctor say, I'm surprised you're not using 
you know, cheaters yet to read things and because it's and and thinking like there was something of all the things to not be proud about. Right, right. It's not like I have anything to do with it. Right. Um, but there is something about that. Maybe it's maybe it's more for us as guys that the physical presence, kind of the, mm-hmm. you know, that's why you have Kung Fu Panda, so that even the really out of shape kids can feel like they they too could be a Kung Fu. Listen, warrior. I really like that movie too. <laughs> it's a good one. Not a not a very accurate message, but a fun. What one. I could totally do Kung Fu. <laughs> Um, I'm offended. Here. <laughs> I'm offended. I've I've been offended now. Been I'm just triggered. gonna. I'm yeah. I'm triggered. Triggered. Um. So I think, but when we look at pride, it was. I remember though, it was a big deal for me, and I remember exactly when it. Actually, I could tell you exactly when it happened. I had, for a long time, been told, and had even seen in myself, but had been told. Like if you went back to my high school friends and asked them about me. Aside from the fact that I said before, like I had this wonderful combination in middle school of being a show off and, and being uncoordinated. Yeah. yeah, that's a great combo. Um, and so I can kind of identify with some of that. But I think there's a, as I went into high school, I think you would have seen this tragic when I think back on a combination of Christian and arrogant. Mm-hmm. And that combination is how people would probably be like, oh, yeah, he was, he was kind of the, one of the kind of lead Christians in our school. But then I think if you asked people like, well, how did you know that? It would be because he was so arrogant about it, which is such a contradiction. Like, yeah. not a very good Christian, apparently, if what I'm known for is being arrogant about my Christianity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that cancels that out. And I think um, hearing people say, and I think people being gentle and kind, but some version of like, well, you know, when you have those conversations with people, you have good enough friends that'll do that, and they go, well, sometimes... You know, sometimes you come across kind of arrogantly. And me going, okay, so I need to make some adjustments was my response to that. I was like, oh, yeah. okay, I need to be more tactful. Okay, that's what I need to do. <laughs> yeah. I, need to, I need to just be more... Take um, the edge off. Yeah, just exactly. Like not come across so arrogantly. And was sitting in the, actually in the Shores office with Kevin East, and he and I were talking, just starting our friendship and talking back and forth about what things we need to be working on. And he said that again. He was like, you know what, the, sometimes you come across kind of arrogant and I was like you know what I'm sick and tired of coming across as arrogant I think what I need to do is realize the reason I come across as arrogant is because I am arrogant arrogant. Mm -hmm. like because I am filled with intellectual pride I think I'm smarter than everybody else in the room and 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 like there's this like realizing I feel like I come into every situation assuming I have the right answers that's not seeming arrogant that just is arrogant and yeah and that was when I first took the first steps to go I need to stop winking at this, nodding at this, or being immature enough to be unaware of the truth of it. Yeah. And that's when I was, got a mentor. That's when I got Newt Farah as my mentor, a man, a very humble man, to teach me what that was like. And boy, I'll tell you what, it it showed up in a hurry mm. when I would say, here's what, I happen, here's what happened this week. What would you do with it? And his response, I would say bordered on being offensive to me. Yeah. Like, just so polar opposite to oh how you gosh. handled it. It was it was yeah. nuts to go like, wait, you would walk away from that? You would not well, you respond would stand to that? up to that? Yeah. You wouldn't and and I just could not. I mean, there were times when I, I remember my thinking was almost like, Okay, is that humility or is that cowardice? Yeah. But I couldn't say cowardice about Newt. Right. Because I don't think anybody would take that stance at all. So no. like, it can't be that. So what is going on here? And realized I had defined 
humility as, as cowardice, as foolishness, as ignorance. I mean, I filed all those under the heading of any something other than what it was. Yeah. Humility. So I had, I don't think I've told either one of you this story. Maybe I have, but, um, uh, I got kind of what you just talked about. Like you had a couple conversations that mm-hmm. spoke that to you. I got all of that at once, like in a, in a, in a concentrated dose. <laughs> so at the end of our, um, uh, we, in our youth, we had a big youth group at the church that I grew up in, uh, North Fort Worth Baptist church. And at the time we had a, uh, hundred plus kids in our youth group. And, um, we had seven on average, we would have like 70 to 90 of those kids involved in the student choir. Um, and so I was, I was kind of a, by the time I was a senior, I was a louder singer in the student choir. I was, I, I love doing that. I got called out for it one time, like, Hey, we've got kind of this wall of sound and then this cannon coming out of the middle of it. Like you need to, John don't sing. And I thought I was doing like everyone a favor by like, Hey, if you need to learn the part, I'm going to be singing the guy's part as like, not as loud as I can, but loudly so that everybody else can right. hear. And I, I, that was kind of humbling for me, not kind of, that was humbling for me even inside of that. But one of the traditions we would have is we would go on, uh, the choir tour. Um, and at the end of the choir tour, uh, there would always be kind of a fun thing that we would do, but we would take those, those last few nights and like speak encouragement into the seniors. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, each senior would get up and I'm, I'm watching all my friends get up and people talk about how the younger uh, people in the youth group talk about what these people have meant to them and how they've uh, seen Jesus inside of them. And it comes to be my turn. Um, And people start standing up to talk about me and every, I'm not kidding. Every single one of them is like, you know, when I first met you, I thought you were a jerk or, Oh, you know, when I first met you, I was really, uh, as I was in, Timid, I I didn't I didn't know how to whatever, but like the number of times that people would tell me that they thought that I was a jerk, it was every single person. In fact, one of the ladies that was my um one of my um uh Sunday school teachers growing up, uh her son was in the youth or sons, both of her sons were in the youth choir at the time, and she actually stood up and said, you know what, we're not gonna talk about um what John used to be anymore. <laughs> wow. Like she, she felt like she, she had to stand up and it. say wow. like that. But like, I was, I was crushed underneath this because I realized like, this is not like one person thinking that mm-hmm. I'm a jerk. This is the entire youth group thinking that I'm, or knowing that I'm, that I'm a jerk. Wow. Um, and, and I was just like, I remember being so humbled by that just inside of that moment being like, Holy cow, this is, this mm. is the legacy that I'm leaving in this youth group. You know, my dad was the pastor. I kind of saw myself as a leader inside of all these things. And I had conveyed anything but the love of Christ to mm-hmm. all of these younger kids. And I remember thinking like, this is how I'm leaving. Wow. Um, and, you know, one of my friends, uh, Brian Ross, he was not able to um, be on that choir tour. Um, he was actually about to go into the Naval Academy. That dude is a, beast he's just incredible he was the he was actually the um youth choir president which we had that was kind of weird 
Um, but he was the youth choir president. He was definitely seen as a leader in the youth group, not not just by himself. He was he was a leader in the youth group. I saw him as a leader in the youth group. He was one of my best friends. And he actually came back the like last day of the choir tour. We were at the church, and he came back that night like he was about to go mm. to um, Annapolis or something like that. And he came back and like spoke kind words into me. And I remember being confused because that's not what we were doing at the time. Um, looking back on it, I'm like, somebody told Brian that this is what had happened. Mm-hmm. And so Brian came back and was gentle with me. Um, and I don't, I think that I felt like I needed to say something. I was not prepared to say something. And I'm pretty sure I botched that completely um, talking to him. But I remember being so humbled by all of these people um, that had told me what I had missed. Um, and then hearing Brian talk about that. And I remember that being one of those moments in my life that I was like, I mean, I'm, I'm tearing up thinking about it, that I was like, I, I know what the truth is. I've seen the truth. I have, I have seen how wretched I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and to have you speak kindness to me inside of that was like, I don't, I don't deserve this at all. And that was one of those, I see that as one of those defining moments mm-hmm. um, in my life where it didn't, it did not change my character at all. I was still arrogant. I was still um, proud. I I went into college um, and was loud in some of my classes and everything like that. Like there's whatever. But I look back on those moments and think like that's the kindness that was showed to me, and that has God has used that to gently mold me over time um, and. And to remind myself, you know, I think by the time I was a senior in college, I'd experienced enough heartache where, um, from being proud <laughs> that I was uh, starting to give up on that. Not that I finished that by any stretch of the imagination and never will. Right. But but started to understand that a little bit better. But pride is one of those things that just like it, it I think it's one of the things that offends God so much about it is it infects um, our lives, and there is not an an expression that comes out of us that is not infected by our pride. Um, there's, there's, it, it, it gets that deep into us. It is, and it comes from that deep of a place for us, um, where it's just awful. Mm-hmm. And like uh, we find out in this next chapter in Daniel, like it doesn't have a root, right? It. It it is not, it's not based in any reality, right? Or, or it is the root. Yeah, yeah, yeah it so is the root. Right. Augustine and Aquinas both call the root of sin is pride. pride. Right. Yeah. yeah, pride is the basis. But it doesn't. It doesn't. It itself doesn't have a basis in reality. It's not. It's not founded in anything real. Right. It's our. It's a total illusion. It's a total illusion. Yeah. yeah. The idea that fundamentally, at any fundamental level that we're worth worshiping mm-hmm. or something about us is worth worship is just silliness. Yeah. And for got? those, those, yeah, who are now disturbed by at least only two out of the three guys who are up on Sunday mornings, <laughs> most traditionally struggling with pride. I'll go ahead and round that off and make it an even hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. I was going to say even three, three yeah. is not even. Yeah. The, uh, the, no, I, I say whole three, <laughs> very similar thing. I mean, even, as both of y'all are relating your stories uh, and thinking back, I, I probably shaped mine a little bit differently. I 
mine was a little bit more of the the speck in the eye of another mm-hmm. and and it was and it was quickly like i mean i would watch pride come out of other people and be like that is ridiculous i am so much better at that than you are <laughs> and so i'd be like this is clearly pride in your life you know and 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 what it did is it, it put a distaste for again the display of pride right um and so what i then did uh early through those formative years was i learned how to hide yeah. my pride. There you go. Yeah. Um, and so, and, and which I thought similar to your story, Chris, yeah. I thought I was defeating pride. Yeah. Doing it. Like right. this was yep. the right, this is me now conquering this. Um, but what it really then turned into was, yeah, it was all just now an internal, um, and, and, and a and lot extra pride. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot related to, um, probably a holier than thou, you know, I had a lot of the mindset of, I would, I'd be able to be you know, in the world and around and doing those things that, you know, we're with other people, but yet mm. me, myself, not falling into temptation, right. not drinking, not doing whatever, but still being, right. and, and in essence, in what I was doing in comparison was making myself an even higher form of a Christian, you know, when it was like, I could identify something that would be wrong, like having a true holier than thou, and then, you know, judging or ostracizing or separating or not loving and so I was like, oh, well, I'll do this better than all of that. But really, it was all just kind of an an internal conversation that mm. was, you know, I got really good at not, I don't think a lot of people then would look at me and say, oh, yeah, yeah Paul was extremely arrogant or extremely right. proudful in his actions. But in my heart, I was more than they ever would have even guessed at um, because it was all an internal conversation. And then, and really what it, what it was, I think, uh, one of the key concepts that began to to reveal that in me was kind of the being being in situations that called me to continually serve others, mm. um, and whether that was again with the, with youth group functions or whether that was my time mm. um, working at summer camps, uh, it was it was kind of that revolving thing of okay, I need to look into the lives of others, not just into my own life, and it was that then was kind of the first trigger that all of a sudden those subtle things. Now I was at a lesser, I don't know, strength or capacity to hide, you know, like I'm I'm expending more of my energy Mm. that I would have been using to hide these flaws. And so now being kind of at the um, tired and worn out and just the end of the rope. Now all of those internal things are coming out. Yeah. I didn't have the, the internal strength capacity to start hiding those and those kind of emerged. And then it was like, Oh, this is what this is. And this Mm. is now how to deal with this. So, yeah. That's fascinating. How many different forms Mm -hmm. again, that's probably why the church fathers found said this was the root because every sin probably, I mean, I've heard years ago, Frank Pretty rank say that essentially all sin is me believing my way is better than God's way. God's Mm -hmm. And which of course would be pride. Right. Um, but but judgmentalism, that comes from pride. Um, arrogance comes from pride. It's amazing that even things like insecurity mm. can come from pride. Yeah. That um, that that it's amazing how so many things. It's such a great example of the hamartia picture of sin. It's not just a matter of defiance. It's in that, the blood. It's not just transgression. It's mm-hmm. it's a failure to attain. Mm-hmm. The character of God, that that Greek word for sin, to say, I didn't achieve it, and and to be out of sin 
would mean you would somehow have to no longer be infected by pride, the way you pray or study scripture or teach scripture or the way you engage with other people. Like those couldn't be that. That's why we need a, a savior constantly because there's new, I really think, I've, I've, for over the years I've thought, obviously humility is the opposite of pride. And I think that's correct because we talk about, uh, I remember we used to teach this all the time mm-hmm. in Young Guns and Baby Roots, but that you know, pride, we didn't have a great working definition for pride that I know of, although I like kind of what we looked at this last week about it's really the idolatry of self, somehow the worship of something about you. Mm-hmm. Um, the corrupt, but, but really it's a corruption of the understanding of self, whereas humility is an accurate understanding of self, so that, as Lewis talks about, if you're good at something, you should be able to say, yeah, I'm, I'm good at that. That doesn't mean any, that doesn't, preference me in any way that offers me no actual advantages in the kingdom it just offers a responsibility to me in the kingdom and so that you just would move on like yeah that's that is true i, I do do that well okay and then you there's nothing need to do to, that well yeah, exactly and you do that well for the cause of christ because right um as nebuchadnezzar saw if god chooses for you to not do that well then you won't do it well Correct. You don't do that well because of you, even if you did put work into it. Yeah. Even if you did develop this fantastic skill set or oh man education. Yeah, absolutely. Any, it, I'm I'm having a hard time not crying over here as we're talking about it because it is so like it is pride is so destructive. Right. Um. And as you said, even even insecurities, um, being rooted in pride in some level, like that we we need to. We need to, you know, clothe ourselves with these things that that hide us. Yeah. Um, because we are ashamed that there is weakness inside of us, and it's like, well, do you actually think that God is surprised by your weakness? Right. Do you, I mean, you know, the He knows how we're formed. He remembers that what we're made of, that we are dust, and 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 He He knows that. Like that's not. That's not a so your weakness, your inability to do the things correctly is not a surprise to God. And the things that He has put into you that He is allowing you to accomplish because of gifts, gifts that mm-hmm. He is giving you are not like impressive to Him because He He is actively giving you those gifts right. in order to build up and to uh refine and, and to uh equip his church. Like those, those things are made for the purpose that he has made them for. The minute we take those things on ourselves and say, not just God has made me good at this and I am grateful for the opportunity to use this in service to him, but instead like I'm good at this, make my name great. Right. Mm -hmm. Like we, we take those tools out of his hand and we're end up hammering on a nail with a saw like not you you missed it nope nope yeah like and it's just it's oh, and i hate pride yeah chris you were <clears throat> mentioning c.s lewis so this is a quote from mere christianity in his book according to christian teachers the essential vice the utmost evil is pride unchastity anger gr- greed drunkenness and all that are mere flea bites in comparison it was through pride <laughs> that the devil became the devil Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. Mm. Ugh. I mean, like, yeah, that, yeah. The complete anti-God state of mind 
It is pride in which that it has been the chief cause of misery in every nation and every family since the world began. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm going to cry. How do you think he really feels, though? Yeah, about how, do you, how do you think? I think um, Golly. I came to the conclusion that the cure for pride, it, it's hard to say, like, well, just be humble. Mm-hmm. Right, that's, well, yeah, it is to be teachable. And that's what stood out to me about kind of all three of our stories is it, it, we didn't suddenly become humble. No. But at some point we learned to embrace being teachable. And that's that doesn't solve it. Uh, I mean, I think all our wives and kids would say, yeah, there are moments of pride, um, ugly self-worship that is, you know, inexcusable in each of our lives. And anyone who knows us well would see that. Probably more than moments. And I, And I think... But I do think, I would say for the two of you, I don't want to speak for myself, but for the two of you, I think one of the most amazing things that about being friends with you guys and working with you guys and ministering with you guys is that is I think teachability is something that, that we greatly prize. Mm-hmm. It's like Definitely prize. Yeah, I mean, like this is something that we, just to embrace and find great love and affection for, it's the hardest thing. I don't know about you two, but I, and I suspect... I know Pike and I used to talk about this. One of the hardest things sometimes about teaching and preaching was going, I seem to have so little effect on how teachable yeah. people are. Like, mm-hmm. I can teach, but I, I have... it's it, Like, for teaching about pride this last Sunday, I told somebody, I'm going to teach about pride this Sunday, and I guarantee you the people who have the biggest response to it will be the people who needed it least, who needed to hear a sermon on pride. They'll be the ones mm-hmm. going, oh, man. I mean... The people who we know who are humble people are going to be the ones going, man, I've been chewing on that for days. Like, yeah, but I, d- I didn't mean for you to. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but that's because they've learned to be, to love and embrace being teachable. Yeah. There was a thing that you said, and I know that, uh, I mean, sorry, Lori, pride, pride is probably most rampant and I, for me at my house. And it's mm. where I have the most insecurities, like that, that, I just I I know my failure there more than really anywhere else. Um, I see it so clearly. I see it um, in the way that I interact with my wife and with my kids. But one of the things that helped me to be teachable inside of being a husband most was when you, uh, I think, pretty early on in our marriage. I mean, relatively, I guess. Um, I heard you teach about Chris um, about the idea of being able to say when your wife says that something hurt her feelings or says yeah. that something like, uh, that I, that you, that, you know, you're as, as the wife, you say that something that your husband did was insensitive to you or something like that. Like being actually able to listen to that and be like, yeah, that sounds like me. <laughs> yeah. And I remember thinking like, what a like freedom that would be to not have to, respond with how I am not the bad guy or how, how to be able to inside of those moments respond with like something other than, yeah, but I did that for this reason or like, that's, this is what caused that or something like to be actually able to say like, yeah, that sounds like me. And I'm still like still learning how to not respond out of, cause I am just terrified of being abandoned. I'm yeah. terrified of being left behind. I'm terrified of not being on the team any longer. Like mm-hmm. that, that, that scares the snot out of me. Cause I know that it's possible that one day everyone, you know, on staff or one day my wife is going to be like, yeah, I could do better. <laughs> and she can. 
Um, but she continues to love me, um, right. you know, out of a covenant that she made with God, right? Not because of my own actions, um, or not because I'm worthy of any of this stuff. And you know, I feel like the same way with the with the church. Um, but it's man, it's it's so hard to let go of that wall that we build that says like I'm protected because of my ability. Mm-hmm. I'm protected because of something that I can control. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Does that seem like anybody else? Just me? No. And again, it's that idea of like, this is where, when we take the concept of control mm-hmm. and really dwell on it and yeah. think, what are, what are we in control of? Right. And, and then it, it begins to break apart quickly yeah. of, Oh no, this is, this isn't in my control to initiate any of this. This is in God's con- control to initiate. And what does God tell us about it? It says that he opposes the proud yeah. and gives right. grace to the humble. Yeah. Peter and that notion of so if, if we think oh no I I have complete control of this I'll gain God's favor in the way that I see it yeah as going then we're we're standing again in that anti-God state of mind and not seeing things correctly and who would be most like we all are but who would be most uh, I guess justified in being tempted to have that kind of control a king yeah right oh yeah uh, someone who has been told from their childhood that they will be in control of their own destiny and i was relating to that even earlier when we were talking about just in the prompting of maybe even having ideas for what we're going to record during this podcast because i know even the you know we talked about our our previous dispositions that now are carrying over into our normal ones and and the biggest carryover for me oftentimes in day to day now is related to responsibilities and into roles and again i would say like some of those are, are the the paternal or masculine roles that I carry or I have a responsibility for my family and supporting them. And so it's those, those tasks of doing things that I think are a right appointed task. Yeah. The in and of itself, it's not a bad thing, but when you involve me in it, I quickly make it a bad thing. And so, yes. So now the, the, you know, speaking back to that control aspect of I will protect and care for my family and provide for them is exactly the responsibility I should have right. and role I should be taking. But when I think that I am the one solely responsible mm-hmm. for protecting and yes. caring and doing things that is in my control to actually do these, then that's where I'm realizing, no, that's where pride is sneaking it in. So if that's for me with my role, how much more of a king with all the roles and responsibilities? Oh, man, yeah. yeah. There's well, so many, I'm, I was looking through, there's so many different passages that that link learning or counsel or I guess what we, again, wisdom obviously is used constantly in regards to wisdom is the opposite of proud. And hmm. you see that all through, and that makes sense. Wisdom is seeing things as they really are. Wisdom is being, is the, you know, the, the number one sign of wisdom is that you seek wisdom um, throughout Proverbs. And I, I really think that's a, are we able to hear and listen? Are we able to appreciate even the blows of a friend? Mm. And are we, that's, that seems to be, and I think, I think up until just this moment, I would have thought of that as, well, I guess maybe it does. It requires a certain amount of humility to get there (laughs) in order to learn humility. Yeah. And and that only comes as a gift from God. It's like salvation. Yeah. And that, 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 we we can 
we can try as hard as we can to to see, um, to hear, and until God gives us eyes to see and ears to hear, yep. um, we we're striving in vain. Um, but let me tell you, like, place yourself there. Like, yep. if if you can, if you have any control over that, like, put your put yourself at the feet of of the Master. Try that. Try that. Yeah. See, I mean, you know, we we try to stand on our own two feet. The the Invictus poem. Oh yeah. By uh, William Ernest Henley. Um, that ends with you know the famous lines: "I'm the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul." Like trying to not be a victim to circumstances, and instead saying like, "I'm in charge." Um, inside of that, like there's there's there seems to be at least in humanity, this like idea that like, Oh, that's a noble thing to say. Like, I'm not a victim. I am going to like take charge and I am in charge and everything like that. And we see that as like a noble thing, but instead um, like put that against the wisdom of God that says like, you um, are not in charge. You are not the father. You are not the, um, uh, the maker of heaven and earth. You are not. Um, but the one who is knows and loves you. Don't be a victim. Don't don't try to take the other stance of, of hiding behind your own ability as the the captain of your fate and the right, you know, right. the one who, who who is able to um, uh, overcome. But instead, understand that the one who is able to overcome and who has overcome, he loves you. And he has done all of this for you to know him and to live in that actual humility, that right understanding of um, what has been done. Um, that's, man, that's freeing. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't, don't be a prisoner in either direction. Understand that he, he is um, sovereign and he loves you. And um, man. You were right. We were able to talk about that for the whole time, no problem. Yeah, it's just, it's just so much. Anyway, um, I hope this has been an encouragement to you. I hope that you uh, can uh, wrestle with um, how how pride has seeped into your life and and be able to uh, surrender that to God, who loves you, um, who uh, though uh, though He is Maker of heaven and earth. Um, sent his son um, to come down and take on the form of of one of us uh, to be born and to have to learn and to have to grow and to have to you know suck in oxygen in order to survive and eat food and all of the things that he and sleep and all the things that he's never done in all of eternity and took on that and not only did all that but also suffered. Uh, mocking and contempt and uh, uh, violence at the hands of his creation, his own creation, and and then died on the cross that we may have a perfect sacrifice and know him. And this is the gospel, that he died on the cross for us, that he raised um, again after three days and is now ascended and is um, living to make intercession for us. And we can know that. And man... He loves you, so be encouraged.